so y'all, I um I'm about to do a thing on Tuesday. Uh and that is get back into keto. The keto diet. <laughs> and um that's definitely a feat for me. Uh, you know, everybody knows about keto. It's basically low carb, the lowest carb uh, that one could intake. And most of the things I enjoy in life have carbs in them. Most of the things. Most of the things that I, my strongest relationships are with bread. Um, different kinds of bread. So very faithful with bread and ice cream. So yeah, it's definitely going to be hard mm. giving up all the good things in life for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, obviously, I'm doing it with. Yes. Uh, we're going to be taking this thing week by week. We're not setting any long-term goals right now. Yeah. Because, you know, thinking about losing 50, 60 pounds is overwhelming. It's overwhelming. So, it is. I've given up about 30 diets in the past four months. So <laughs> I want to <take> work. <laughs> I'm going to join y'all. Um, okay. Good. Join you all because I have been thinking about this. And um, this morning, I believe it. Yeah, that one last night. This morning, I went to take a selfie in my full. Full <laughs> 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 And. Um, yeah. So then I was like, well, maybe I was like, maybe like my eyes are betraying me. So I Possibly. got on the yeah, right. scale, and mm-hmm. and my eyes are perfectly fine. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll be <laughs> yeah. on this journey. Um, because yeah, something has to be done. Yeah. And you know what? Going on a keto diet is such a reality check for me. Girl, I could never use drugs. I would be strung the hell out because sugar alone will make me sell a DVD player. Okay? It will make me take my TV down from mantled onto the wall and sell that damn thing for a Snickers bar. Because you really feel like strong cravings if you cut out sugar. But you know what? That tells you something's wrong. Like you can't function without sugar. That's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we're going to have to not only be checking in with each other, we're going to have to stay strong. You already know that there are going to be some withdrawals that happen. Uh, So fight through it. And you know that they will disappear after a few days or at least get less strong. Yeah, uh, not yeah. be as strong. So we're gonna have to not only keep each other accountable, give each other ideas about stuff, but also y'all pray for each other for real because mm-hmm. this is a real <laughs> chemical, like it, it, it chemically messes with you. I would think. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking forward to going back to work. Twenty pounds lighter. <laughs> come on, come on. I fit on my clothes because these past four or five weeks at home have not been good yeah. to me. It's been so tough. Yeah. Staying it's hard. It's hard. You know, not to be all therapisty and all, but I also uh-huh. feel like it's important. To, you know, I'm on this journey with you all, but also for us to acknowledge that we're in the middle of a global crisis and that uh-huh. food is a comfort for many people. And uh-huh. so, yeah. like, 
myself included, if we've gotten a little, you know, different than we were before we were in quarantine, but that that's okay too. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Y'all Some Real Ones. This is a friendship podcast where we give our opinion on real life topics, share stories from our past, and lots of laughs. I'm Shannon. I'm Alexis. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Dr. Miska Prater. Hi. <laughs> Miska is a professional counselor and our friend, and she does not mind lending her expert opinion to our podcast. She was also on our Tiger King episode. So make sure you check that out. Yes. Thank Welcome you. Welcome back, Miska. Back. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Love having you. Yes, we do. <laughs> we feel so official. We're like, so a licensed professional counselor <laughs> is going to share a little bit of professional advice with you guys. That's how mm-hmm. we feel. Right. So listen to us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but today we're talking about inappropriate adult-child relationships, in particular student-teacher relationships. We witnessed a lot of this firsthand while we were in high school. Um, A little bit happened in middle school as well. And lately, the memories just continue to come into the forefront of our thoughts. So we thought we should make a podcast about this. Um, Usually, we see this this happening, like, it's mostly celebrities, priests and people don't think that this could actually be happening in their own neighborhoods in their own schools so we thought this was a very important topic to discuss and that's why Nista it's you know it's great to have her here in order to offer her expert advice on it yes so we're pretty uh revved up to talk about this as Shannon said it, it is something that we continually talked about like in our leisure like remember when this teacher used to try to holler at this person and in reality I know me personally I didn't think about it being too much of a big deal because first of all that was my norm back in you know middle school or in high school where you were exposed to this inundated with this kind of experience but then now as an adult it's like wow that was terrible that was really terrible the things that we lived through Mm-hmm. And um, every, every day it happened like daily, every day, every day. Remember, well, we'll talk about. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, and so many of the things that that we're going to talk about. Uh, my worst, exp- well, I can't even say worst experience because when I started sharing some things that I experienced in middle school or witnessed, and and I would say that was my experience as well because it happened to a best friend. Um, you all will see that it's hard for me to pick which one was most devastating because this one was super close to me in middle school, the situation that happened. But then in high school, it became more frequent that teachers really thought that it was a thing that you could reach out to a developed, overdeveloped high school student, whatever your good reason was for why you thought this was someone you could holler at. It was inappropriate. So the frequency increased it as I got uh, increased as I got a little older, but the intensity existed in both middle school and high school. So I guess we'll jump right into it where, you know, when we were in high school, um, a few people that we knew, we I know that Shannon and I in particular uh, would identify like, wow, this teacher is a little flirty with this person or with these people. The stu- oh, yeah. students would certainly 
seemed to, you know, be the last one leaving the classroom. They mm-hmm. seemed to have a little bit more favor put on them. And mm-hmm. it wasn't that we were vying for the attention of that teacher. It was just like, oh, we like them. They're cool. You know, no problem here. But why is this particular person or these particular people staying behind class every time? Every time you walk past the classroom, they're in the office. And we know this isn't your, what is it, work study? It wasn't work study. What did study you say? Hall. Home? Study hall. Yeah. This isn't your study hall, but you're always there. You all are kind of laughing like you have an inside joke between each other. And as a child, you're like, okay, well, maybe they're just a stellar student. We don't know their grades. So maybe they have a connection. Maybe their parents know this teacher. But the fact is, and this and, and Shannon may know who I'm talking about, but in this particular situation, it seemed to really have been a thing between this student and this teacher. Um, oh, uh-huh. I remember I remember feeling that way about that student and that teacher and. I remember us talking about it, like we talked about it then, like this is very weird. Like this is creepy. What's going on? Like they were, they had flirty eyes with each other all the time. Mm. And yeah, I feel like the student, I don't, the way I remember it, I don't remember her like being the one that's vying for his attention. He was just giving it to her. Uh And because he was giving her, extending her favors or allowing her to do things first or whatever, she was just like, okay, you know, I'm, nothing wrong with this. Uh-huh. But on the outside looking in, it was extremely creepy. Oh, yeah. As I say, he, I don't know if we can share this or not, but he ended up getting arrested or fired for um, years later after we graduated. Uh-huh. They found out that he was having inappropriate conversations via email oh, or text, wow. and they ended up firing him yeah see right and I remember in particular when he you know they got so comfortable with being flirtatious and this is the thing even though I may say things in general like they became flirtatious she was a child okay so at the end of the day (laughs) as an adult you should be the one even if somebody a child walks in front of you naked you need to be aware to say wait a minute now Mm -hmm. let me provide you some direction here (laughs) you don't do I'm grown So this is the thing. When I say things in general, like uh, they were flirtatious or they don't get it confused. A child is a child. Yeah. Okay. So if you are, if a child is flirting, if a child walks in front of you naked, if a child does whatever, listen, as the adult, you can say, wait a minute now, you got it all messed up. I'm an adult here. You're out of order, blah, blah, blah. Redirect them. You shouldn't also be like, okay, it seems like you, seems like you're ready. As R. Kelly would say. Mm. Seems like you're ready. Mm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Be an adult about it. So even though I say they were flirting back and forth, it could have been a situation where she was flirting back and forth. But as a grown man, as a grown woman, because, okay, inappropriate relationships don't just happen from man to woman, adult man to young child, Mm. uh, girl, child. It can happen the opposite way or it can be man to boy. Mm. So the thing is, Yes, they I witnessed them both. I felt like my perspective of it was that they both were being kind of flirty because as a child, you're like, okay, somebody is giving me attention, whether it's somebody my same age or, you know, maybe it's somebody older, maybe it's somebody younger, a kid crush on you, whatever. The point is, maybe naturally you would feel a little bit flatter. And plus, he was a man who drove around a nice car. He had money, you know, he, uh, you know, more money than you got. 
you know? So she's probably thinking like, okay, well, this is a great kind of relationship. He could maybe upgrade my grades. Who knows what she was thinking in a child's mind. But the fact is he should have been like, absolutely not. I'm not going here. You know, he was a nice looking guy. He could have certainly went with someone who was 19 and older. I feel like he was married. I'm not sure, but he was, he was married or I'm sure he had some type of relationship Uh outside of high school. He just was a pervert. He was just yeah, a pervert. but uh, he wasn't the only pervert. In no, he wasn't. So there <laughs> were several more perverts, and I mean, those are just the people we know about. Like mm-hmm. we probably know about three or four more, um, and it could be even more. You know that we weren't aware of, but one that really that we witnessed probably every single day. What it happened to. Well, I'm not going to say that. But one that we witnessed every single day was a man that was kind of like really friendly with everybody. Uh-huh. He, you know, he wasn't a teacher. He was just like, a, he was a coach uh-huh. or something. And every day we would walk into the cafeteria and he would like sit on this little podium right when you walk in and he would flirt with um, a girl uh-huh. that we knew. And point out how big her butt was or he would yeah like these noises like oh we are oh look at you every time we walk in and that girl she got so it was so awkward because she didn't even want to walk in because she knew he would be there and she would like pull her shirt down over her yeah like so he wouldn't be able to look at it i don't remember that part but i remember i would always used to walk in by the gym so my entrance into school was by the gym i would walk in through that because that's where my home room was and so was in the gymnasium and so sometimes or and i would leave out of that area because i believe in high school i thought you had to go through like homeroom in the beginning of the day and then at the end of the day so I don't know but I used to always walk in and out of the school by the gymnasium and I know that the the team that she he would coach would be outside near the gym sometimes depending on mm-hmm. what what they had to do and I know yeah. that he would just be gawking toward this girl looking like ready to say something and it's like, sir, sir, with the wife and kids. He was, <laughs> sir, right. He was so disgusting. Like, I don't know where he is now, but I'm like, I, I wish there was something that could be done. I know that was uh-huh. so long ago, but just the, how, how confident he was to do this so openly with all these children uh-huh. walking around, the, the teachers are also walking around. And he just openly gawking at, at, at children and calling them bootylicious and all this stuff. Where's that accountability? Yeah. Like, he doesn't care. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Well, as we said, there were several teachers who did it. I mean, there was an administrator You're right. who did it. So it was like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. It was a it was like a cult yeah. or something going on there. An <laughs> internal kind of like, yeah, like you said, like a cult. <laughs> Like, you don't tell, I don't tell. And they were all in positions exactly. kind of spread, sparse throughout that it was like, okay, I'm going to hold down these mm-hmm. teachers over here and kind of explain things the way for them. You explain down this quadrant of teachers. I'm explaining away things to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never know what kind of, you know, inner circle they have. But the point is, sometimes you can go based on, like, uh, you can kind of bank on 
almost like a diffusion of responsibility, right? So if there's an emergency that happens and 50 people witness a car crash, no one calls 911 because you rely on other people to do it, right? So ultimately, instead of everyone calling the police, you're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to tie up the, the, the emergency services line. So I'm not going to call, but probably that girl over there who has the phone in her hand is going to call them. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is sometimes people can do a ridiculous or a shocking behaviors in front of a bunch of people and nobody calls the damn police because they banking on somebody else to do it. Look at the yeah. R. Kelly situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we um, in social, you know, when we're studying like um, the ways that humans interact with one another, we call it the bystander effect, which is exactly mm-hmm. that where everyone's standing by assuming that someone else is taking action to the point where no one is taking action. Yeah. Uh, I also Mm -hmm. don't think that we can look at like this. I hate to even think about this, but this like internalized lack of like seeing this as a thing. That's a problem. Uh Uh, That's kind of like generational thing. So it's likely, and I'm not saying that people who are sexually abused go on to abuse other people all the time or anything like that, but I'm saying like there are experiences that happen that then get passed down. So there may have been other people kind of recognizing what was going on, but not Uh seeing it as problematic as they should see it. We can even And I'm like so over the whole R. Kelly discussion. Uh-huh. Look at history and how none of us used to feel as intense as we do now. That's true. Because mm. have, you know, yep. more knowledge and more experience and more understanding that just wasn't there. And that's not an excuse to say anything was okay or anything like that. I'm saying like, yeah, the way that it's processed, I feel like probably wasn't the same Uh and why do you think that do you think because our minds weren't developed i mean because i remember when all this was unfolding and i was younger and you know how i felt about r kelly listen Mm -hmm. baby there was nothing you could have told me (laughs) that would have Mm -hmm. made me not become a fan or pray to god that i would not become his girlfriend now i didn't think Mm -hmm. he was like you know, uh, peeing on people and all that kind of crazy stuff or abusing them or, you know, had a cult going on. But I just thought like, okay, regular boyfriend, regular girlfriend, I want you, I need you in my life. (laughs) However, all these accusations were going on. And like you said, it really wasn't until I was an adult that I was like, that that's crazy. I believe it. I have more information. Do you think that's because like brain development wasn't fully there? Yeah, I think, well... (laughs) I'm looking at this in two different ways. So what I just said was more indicative of like the adults around. I feel like they didn't see it as much Mm -hmm. of a problem as someone in our generation today would see it. But as far as us being, you know, in that position, growing up, seeing these things happen, that is a part of like um, development. And Uh so as it's older, we're able to make more like our cognition changes. So the way that we think and process things changes. Uh So how you approach and look at things now is vastly different than it would have been when you were 15 or Uh 15 years old. And so there's that layer of it. And all, but also not even just like with the way the brain is forming, but also just like experience, like right. 
they were like mm-hmm. gaining experience and learning new things and learning new things about boundaries and this and that or whatever. So now we're like, oh no, this is like completely inappropriate. Whereas we may have flattered yeah. by it back in the day or not seen it as such an intense issue. Uh-huh. So this this whole this whole topic like makes me think about the the women and men that have come out over the past couple of years, you know, during the Me Too movement, um, and that have stated like that these things mm-hmm. happened to me and people are not believing them because they took so long to bring it, you know, bring it to light. And I wonder if, you know, that has to do with what Miska was just talking about. Like their cognition was different when it was happening to them. So they didn't realize that it was wrong or that they could do anything about it. And now that they're older and they have a better understanding of what happened to them, they can actually speak out about it. So that's kind of what I was And you know about. what? One thing that really comes to mind for me is that in my middle school, so I had, like, after my parents had separated, me, my mom, and my brother had moved to Clifton's from Colerain. <laughs> so that's a big difference. So the children that I went to school with at Houston Elementary were um, definitely very protected and childlike and, you know, did not have the exposure or at least wear it on their sleeve like the children that I went to school with in Clifton. And so I had went like downtown to school and then that was at the end of elementary school. And then I went to middle school in um, what what's the area called? Uh, Winton Terrace. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very different than Colerain. And if you don't know anything about Cincinnati, just trust that it's very different. And so the kids who I went to school with were really exposed to a lot of things. Even the elementary school that I went to, uh, there were girls who had children there in sixth grade. In sixth grade, a girl in my very class had a baby. Now, that's crazy because it's like I feel pretty confident that this was an older guy that she had a baby with. Uh, which is terribly wrong, mm. right? So then <clears throat> there was a, a best friend that I had gotten in the seventh grade. And so she was always like having relations. She was always, you know, having sex. She was she used to have sex before school every day. That sounds crazy to me. That sounds so crazy. Yeah. Now she was having sex with classmates and people who was around her age, but it's like, who exposed you to sex so early? Like this is seventh grade. so then time progressed and she had explained to me that her she was kind of nervous because her dad was getting out of jail and so her mother was like well your dad's living back with us so that's what it is it's gonna be me your siblings you and your your daddy who you haven't seen in 10 plus years so when her dad moved back into the home eventually he started molesting her and he was you know having sex with her all the time and she was telling me about it and she was like I'm conflicted I don't know what to do and all that and I never thought as a child to tell my mother about that I never thought that just did not occur because my mother told me if you are sexually abused you know I mean my mom would pull me out of if I'm hanging around too much with 
too many boys or whatever, she would pull me to the side and say, okay, has anybody ever touched you here? You know, what's the conversation about? Has anybody ever said this to you? My mom was very protective over me as a girl. And I'm sure she did the same thing to my brother as well. But it never penetrated that she also wanted my friends to be safe, right? I just never connected the dots. And to think about how for years, I mean, I don't think I ever said this to my mom before she even passed away four years ago. It took recently for me to be like, wow, as a child, do you, does it even occur really for you to say, if your parents don't teach you particular things for you to just outright and say like, Hey, my friend is being abused or I'm being abused. And so, or someone is flirting with Mm -hmm. me. They haven't touched me inappropriately, but they're saying words that make me uncomfortable, or I'm not sure if I should be uncomfortable with these words that they're saying. When we recap or we reflect (laughs) on that guy, the coach who was whistling and saying things, calling, you know, the girl with bootylicious and all that, that's crazy. And it's, Mm -hmm. and and none of us ever told our parents that, Hey, this, this girl that I go to school with is pretty much being harassed, harassed, (laughs) sexually harassed every day. So that brings me to, to say, you know, we, uh, I'm going to say, are blessed not to have had kids right now. But, um, you know, some people want to start families. But the point is, the people who started families who are in our classes, who, who we graduated with, they possibly have children that are, you know, the teenagers. Or they're going to school with some, some teachers who are inappropriate, no matter how old they are. So it's important to like initiate those discussions with your kids and say, not only do you need to come and tell me if you are being touched, but are you being talked to in this kind of way? Are people making you feel uncomfortable? Are they, you know, commenting on your body? And also, is this happening to your friends? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Miss Good, did you have any experience? I did. I had a friend um, who... uh, there was a person in our high school building who was very flirtatious with um, this particular friend and she was very flattered by it. This was an attractive younger um, employee at the school. And so he was super just like, Oh, this person's so cute, whatever, whatever. And so he started, you know, I don't, I don't even know how numbers got exchanged, but there was definitely like some inappropriate communicating. I don't think that there was ever anything anything physically going on but I distinctly remember her calling me or seeing her at school um on like a Monday after the weekend and she had gone to a local restaurant where she saw this person um with their partner eating out, out, to, mm-hmm. out to eat at this place um and he was showing me the text messages that he sent her afterwards that were just completely like totally and completely what? inappropriate. And so um, it's hard. And I do I do want to kind of confirm and expand on what Alexis was saying about how like we have to expand, I guess, the parameters as like parents and adults or people who are caretakers um, for young people in their lives of asking because we're we're very like anyone you ask most of the time they will tell you their parents always told them you know if anybody touches you let me know uh-huh. like, anything and kind of learning about you know their private areas and all this different stuff when so of like abuse mm-hmm. can it really starts off very mentally and so 
also just making sure it's like if anybody ever speaks to you inappropriately or anyone makes you uncomfortable, that that is something that you need to express, whether it be no matter how small it feels. Yeah, we, I would rather hear yeah. what you have to say and we can go from there if you're experiencing any you know anxiety or feeling uncomfortable about the way somebody looks at you or mm-hmm. stands in your space to you or whatever because these are tactics that abusers use to kind of get around you know having to um be held accountable to their actions they can say well i never touched that person i never did nothing sure like when you're literally like leering at a young lady that's right noises or like things Mm -hmm. that you know are appropriate so Mm -hmm. i really like that i really do like that because you're right. Yeah. And my mother, you know, was so intensely like protective because, you know, there were people in my family who were abused and they sometimes didn't even remember that they were abused mm-hmm. until they were adults. But that dramatically impacted their childhood, my mother said. I mean, and I know my mother said she didn't even remember if she was abused. And she was like, Probably not because she said she used to cuss out adults as kids, but <laughs> because she saw she saw so much abuse happening to people around her that she was like, oh, no, not me. But even though she was like, well, I still can't even remember if something happened to me. So she became she doubled down on how much she taught me and told me. And I mean, I knew about, you know, my, uh, you know, pr- parts what I remember informing my kindergarten classmates about what a vagina was okay and my teacher Mm -hmm. tried to get me taken out of class and my mama was like is not is that not what it's called so I was I was very aware of these things however just like you said so easily even being intense even having the right you know um the the right motivation to tell your kids sometimes we miss we miss the the mm-hmm. target by not talking about the complexity of it all. Not just are you mm-hmm. abused, but if somebody mm-hmm. staring at you, did someone mm-hmm. corner you in a room? Did they make a comment to you about your friends? So it's so much to cover. Parenthood is complex. Yeah, for sure. And I think that also, again, goes back to even like how people are raised and like what knowledge and understanding that they have of things like we're just now getting to the point where Mm -hmm. we're like, it is not cool to harass people on the street. Cat calling is not a thing. That's abuse. Right. Like we're just now getting to like as as a, you know, larger Mm -hmm. segment of the population, getting to a place where we can acknowledge that those things are damaging. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of our parents may not have likely have don't didn't um, know that things like looking or like just being slapped on the booty or like Mm -hmm. things that are super threatening that those things either can have an effect or that they're enough to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a very like, well, I went through that. You'll be all right type thing. Or it's no big deal. So that's an internalized thing. So then we don't know. Oh, maybe I should, you know, address this. And I'll make this 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 one other point that I just mm-hmm. thought about on social media. I see a lot about a lot of comments or little posts about 
Don't make your children hug people, kiss people, sit mm-hmm. on laps of people who you mm-hmm. have a good relationship with, but they're uncomfortable with. Because a lot mm-hmm. of um, our, what we learned about respect and especially our parents' generation, what they learned about respect is that, first of all, when you enter a room, you speak to everybody. Second of all, you yep. go over there and give your grandma, your grandpa a kiss. If they ask you to come over and give them a hug. I mean, we practice some of that. I know that with my mm-hmm. godson, I'm like, Give me a hug. Now, I don't really ask for a kiss because I know that if I were a parent, I'd be like, I don't want everybody's lips on mine. But and then also, I don't, you know, double down on kids either by saying, no, give me a hug. I don't beg for it. Listen, I can feel your vibes now. You don't want to give me a hug? We ain't going to hug. But mm-hmm. the point is, everybody, some people's actions are rooted in simply respect. So come and give me a hug. Come and give me a kiss. But what if they also have intentions to harm you? Mm-hmm. We can't I, just push our kids into the arms of Uncle Jerry. Yes, absolutely. And one of the very like uh, kind of disturbing things about abusers, particularly when we're talking about sexual abuse um, with like kids or younger people, is that the abuser, especially if it's a family friend or a relative or someone who's like close knit with the parents, is that they go out of their way to exhibit appropriate behavior in front of the parents so that it was to be something that came up later, they'll be confused. Like, wait, he ain't never, you know. Yeah. We've never felt weird about this and we've never seen anything inappropriate. And that's part of like the grooming process. So they'll be very, you know, high five, give me a hug. What's up? Great game. Like Mm -hmm. all that in front of the parent to build up that connection mm-hmm. and trust so that they can then kind of make mm-hmm. their move. And that's, re- that's something that's really important to remember. Yeah. The kid probably trusts them yeah, more sure. exactly. when the parent trusts exactly. them. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. I saw this article on Facebook as well, and they were talking about um, teaching your children mm-hmm. that their body is their own and that, You know, as a parent or a grandparent, you don't have any right to tell them like what they should do with their bodies as far as like hugging people and kissing people and stuff like that. And it was actually like a mother posting um, like she posted a picture of her her son and her father and her son was having a bad day. So he didn't want to give his grandpa a hug. And she basically was just explaining in the post like I do not force him to hug anybody. If he doesn't want to, he needs to know that he has the right to say no. He has the right Uh to be uncomfortable around people. And, you know, in that way, I guess it's just giving him a voice so that, you know, if something does happen, he will know, like, this is inappropriate. So you've probably seen this. I know you have clients of all ages. Um, What would be if you had some recommendations for parents or just the new way of communicating with the kids? Who might be experiencing this already in school, Miska? Mm-hmm. I would I would first like to kind of mm-hmm. touch on, particularly when we're looking at um, adolescents. I think so much of this is really based upon, you know, the parents and then and the adults who are um, around young people today to really process some of their own um, belief systems and ideologies. And I feel like that's where it starts. When we think about, um, let's say, the young lady who was being called bootylicious or something like that, hopefully she would be met with support mm-hmm. and love um, if she were to come to someone and let them know that that was making her uncomfortable. But unfortunately, something that we're often 
met with is like someone saying like, oh, well, you acting grown or you're dressing this Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so we first have to kind of like unpack all those things. And it can be like a parallel process where the parent and the child or whoever are learning these things together, because that is something that I find so heartbreaking when I'm working with people who have um, sexual trauma, especially Mm -hmm. in childhood, is hearing how the child is often the person who gets blamed for this in a lot of the situations Uh and wanted to be grown and be having sex and this, this and that, when literally we have to like change how we even talk about it. You are being raped. If you were a kid and other people, period, it doesn't matter who, what, what, what combination of genders, it doesn't matter. It was rape. So we have to like call things what they are. Um, and Uh to acknowledge that a grown person knows better that child let's say let's say it's a situation where the the young person is into it like maybe like a high school girl with a with a sexy teacher so she feels sure. flat and invigorated by these things and then somebody else finds out and they're like oh no we're going to you know have to do something about this we have to acknowledge that the behavior that the parent or the adults around are saying, well, you're grown or you came on to him or this, this is, is that that child is acting mm-hmm. like a child. They don't have mm-hmm. the cognitive abilities and processing that we have. They're acting mm-hmm. exactly their age. They're not acting grown. Right. They're motivated by being yeah. flattered by grown people who can drive and buy them things and give them compliments yes. make them feel good things that are that we learn how to manage better as adults yeah we learn hey maybe i shouldn't have sex with this person hey maybe i shouldn't do this like we get those things as adults uh-huh. but kids don't get that mm-hmm. teenagers don't get it so i think like the first thing is definitely like reframing the perspective that we're coming from uh-huh. and then um just being open and communicating um, with children, something that we see um, with with kids and adults. But I, I mean, I work mostly um, with black families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have to acknowledge, yeah. you know, the impact that the context of culture has on this conversation, too. Mm-hmm. And so there, we didn't always grow up with a lot of like discussion. Right. Right. Talking. And like listening and expre- yes. like letting young people say what their feelings are and what their thoughts are. And you can do that mm-hmm. while still, you know, having pun. I'm not necessarily talking about sexual abuse or anything here, but uh-huh. you can have a conversation with a child and explain why something's not this or that or whatever. Or you can let them talk to you about what that is. It doesn't mean that they're getting away with it. Uh-huh. Just because they've explained their process, that doesn't mean that there there can't be consequences for behaviors. But I just think sometimes our, you know, frame of reference is pretty narrow as far as we're, we're we hear a lot of like do this because I said so. Yeah. I don't need to hear anything about that. I don't need to hear nothing else. And so there so then what yeah. does a child do when they have something more to say and I and and I'll be the first to admit mm-hmm. that that like we know that there's systemic issues as to why mm-hmm. we don't get to have those conversations with our kids the way that other cultures may be able to. Like we've always been in a very high intensity situation when yep. to that 
that has that has mm-hmm. impacted the way that we parent. Mm-hmm. And so those are things that we have to unlearn mm-hmm. and process in order to be um, the best adults we can be, whether we have kids or not, for the young people who are coming up behind us. Yeah, that's those are very important points. I really, I feel like we can <laughs> unpack that for a very long time because I have some strong opinions about the way young women, um, in particular, uh, young Black women are treated in the society and how they're viewed when they are sexually harassed or try to bring up their abuse um, because we're often told that they're fast or, you know, wants men or whatever. And it's like, no, they're children. So yeah, we could go on about this forever. So maybe we can bring you back. Yeah. For a part two. um, Talk about that in more detail. All right. So we're going to end it there. Yay. Thank you, Miska. For being here. For having me. You're welcome. Um, so yes, if you'd like to reach me um, for some telehealth during this global pandemic, please feel free to email me at Dr. Dr. M-I-S-K-A-P-R-A-T-E-R. So my full name, Dr. Miska Prater at gmail.com. And I'm happy to either connect with you directly as your therapist or um, to help you kind of network and figure out how to take those steps. So don't hesitate. Great. All right. Don't forget to like our pages at Y'all Some Real Ones on Facebook and Instagram and at Real Ones Podcast on Twitter. You can subscribe to our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. And don't forget to email us any questions, comments, or topics that you want us to, to discuss um, and send those to Y'all Some Real Ones at gmail.com. So next week, did you forget? Ooh. Okay, okay, yes. we're gonna be talking about an update yes. on the quarantine. Um, you know they just said May first, y'all. Outside, open back up, and we want to get y'all's opinions on if you if we can find you outside, if we can catch you outside, or if you still gonna be in the house. Okay, um, I'm leaning more toward I'm gonna be in the house. I'm gonna let y'all test it out, see how many of y'all get sick, and then um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure it out from here. But we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Some of the things that we're um, staying busy with, how work is going. Uh, we have any new concerns that have developed. So we're going to do an overall kind of touch base with the quarantine and how it's going with COVID-19. So with that said, y'all some real ones. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thank you.